Welcome to our Forever Young Podcast, where we chat about ways to keep our bodies and minds young, because you're never too old to become younger. My name is Christiana Eggy. And my name is Sherry Marichu. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Christiana. How are you doing? I am good, thank you. I brought a friend along with me today. Please meet Dr. Ranjit Mahan. Pleased to meet you, Dr. Mahan. Nice to meet you guys. Wonderful to have you. So Dr. Mahan is a registered chiropractor and a medical acupuncturist. He also has a diploma from the Canadian Academy of Pain Management. Also, he is the owner and clinic director of two very successful rehab clinics. I've actually been his patient and I can attest to his great care. (laughs) So Dr. Mahan's philosophy of care is to get to the root cause of your condition and provide you with the education, support, and rehabilitation therapies to assist your recovery. For so many, this is the beginning for setting goals for the new year, which includes weight loss or improved health. So we thought having a chat with Dr. Mahan about specific strategies to help our listeners attain their goals for 2022 would be a great idea. Dr. Mahan will be sharing with us some of his expertise on wellness and weight management using low glycemic foods. Sherry. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, right. We always have this um, discussion about low glycemic uh, foods, anti-inflammatory diets, and intermittent fasting. Which all sounds great, Christiana. So let's get moving, friends. Don't just sit there while you listen to us. Grab those walking shoes mm-hmm. and fresh air and listen in on tips on how to lose weight, stabilize your weight, or just improve your overall health. So, Dr. Mahan, Christiana gave us a short intro into who you are, but is there anything else our listeners and our friends should know or anything you want to share with us about you? Yeah, first of all, guys, uh, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. It's great and a privilege to be here. I've been very fortunate to know lovely Christiana for almost six years, uh, being her chiropractor and being her family's chiropractor. And I must say, what an amazing woman she is, right? We all, if you know Christina, she is a powerhouse, just an amazing mom. I mean, her son went to Harvard. I'm trying to figure out how to send my kids to Harvard. But, uh, and all three of her kids were patients of mine at the clinic. So I know them very well. And, you know, I wish them all the best. And I was so happy to hear all the amazing things her kids are still doing. So Christina, well done. Keep up all the amazing things you're doing. Thank and thank you. you for keep yeah, thank you for keeping in touch with me. I know it's been a while and it's been yeah. crazy with the pandemic, but you know you always send me a text or a video, uh, your podcast information. I love it. It's great. Wonderful. Uh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. But before we kind of dive into like the whole weight loss, you know, anti-inflammatory diet, you know, everybody's making their New Year's resolutions. I wanted to kind of quickly tell you my story, kind of like where I come from, how I kind of became a chiropractor. To kind of summarize quickly, in university, I decided I wanted to be a gym teacher. 
okay, I love gym so much. I was going to be a gym teacher. <laughs> and my roommate at the time introduced me to chiropractic and sports chiropractic. And being in exercise science, uh, it was very intriguing. I fell in love with treating, you know, sports injuries and athletes. And so I decided I was going to be a sports chiropractor. I was going to travel with uh, athletes all over the world, treat, you know, Olympic athletes. And then I got married. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And then, you know, in the middle of all of this, I grew up and this hits close to home. My mother had suffered with a lot of back pain. From my teens, I remember a lot of times her complaining about her back, going to the doctor. It just never seemed like she was getting a proper approach to her back pain. And so my mother had gained a lot of weight. Over the years, she was overweight, she was obese. And, you know, when you're overweight and you have a chronic back issue, life is not fun. Your quality of life goes down. She ended up being diagnosed with depression. She later got diagnosed with sleep apnea. And unfortunately, she later died at the age of 54. Oh um, this was, yeah, back in 2006. So this was two weeks before I started my first day of chiropractic school. Could you imagine? Wow. You know, it was, it was heartbreaking, but yeah. it was all, it was all the reason why, like I wanted to go to school and help people like my mother who were suffering mm -hmm. with chronic back issues. So my love of sports quickly started changing to just like helping people who had back pain get their quality of life back. So Christina knows I graduated. I opened a clinic nine months after I graduated, which was insane at the time. I just got married. My wife got pregnant. Uh, you name it. Whatever could have happened, happened. And it was an incredible journey. You know, we put patients first. We really focused on quality of care, getting people their quality of life back. Yeah. And through that mission and looking at all of the you know, the chronic back pain issues, the weight was also another major issue for a lot of these patients. Yeah. You know, the story was very similar, right? If you know people who mm -hmm. are overweight or maybe suffering with depression, they stress out a lot, they worry a lot, they have difficulty losing weight, they have a lot of joint pain. And so we started looking at strategies, which I'm going to share with you guys today Can't on wait. this podcast <laughs> on how we help these patients, you know, lose weight get their life back. So that's kind of my story. That's awesome. Yes, a lot of commitment, determination, and just, you know, when, when you come from a place of love, trying to make a difference for other people, uh, you know, changing things that your mom did not get a chance or the opportunity to change. It's been wonderful, actually, like um, from the time I met you, I really, I, I saw how caring and how holistic you were. And that was what made me bring my children. And um, like, you know, I do follow you. I get your newsletters and I know that you've been doing a lot of weight management. And it's great because Sherry and I, part of this podcast, we do talk about, you know, healthy eating, weight management and so forth. And the reason that I sort of drew Sherry's attention to the low glycemic uh, foods is because <laughs> Sherry is more into working out, exercise and salads and avocados and uh, oh my, herself and her odia too. But yeah. what I've been telling them both <laughs> is that there are some people like myself who are not avid 
exercise people that need to learn slowly how to get mm. to and embrace healthy eating also that knowing how to you know eat low glycemic foods how important it is so that is what that joke is about so mm. we're going to let you dive into it so but before we start i think we're going to start with the intermittent fasting first that is yeah. um yeah, yes. I mean, I have a really good friend who just swears by intermittent fasting. She mm-hmm. is by no means overweight or anything, but she has been into intermittent fasting for, I want to say the last five years now, and she totally swears by it. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine, I can't imagine doing it, but maybe you can explain to us how it works. Why does it work? And is it even good for us? Sure, guys. Absolutely. So intermittent fasting, it's also termed time-restricted eating, has been kind of something that's been around for a while. It's more talked about recently in the last maybe couple of years. But essentially, it's not really focusing too much on what you're eating, but rather focusing on when you eat. So there's a lot of different approaches to intermittent fasting. Some people do a 5-2 where they might eat a normal caloric intake for five days and then maybe go on a fast for two days. Most people, when they think of intermittent fasting, do what we call a 16-8. So that is where you fast for 16 hours. And remember, you're sleeping for eight, so it's not that bad. And then you're eating in an eight-hour window. So again, before, you know, anybody takes health advice or changes their diet, you know, it's always good. This is just my medical disclaimer. Always good to talk with like a health professional, make sure it's right for you, right? But in general, with our patients, intermittent fasting is very doable. We start off with three meals a day, and then we reduce three meals to two meals a day. So if uh, they're okay with skipping breakfast, they'll just do lunch at noon and dinner by 7 or 8 p.m. Okay, so let's just start with the whole skipping (laughs) breakfast part. Like, you know, so we've heard so often that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So how does it work with intermittent fasting? Right, so with breakfast, remember, it's breaking your fast. That's ultimately what that means, right? So you could break your fast at eight o'clock in the morning, or you could break your fast at noon with an omelet. So, you know, that's kind of what the word breakfast really comes from. In terms of, I have some patients, again, they're on some medications or they just, they have to eat breakfast. That's just the way they are. That's totally fine. Then we'll tell them, look, eat breakfast, but then have your last meal after eight hours, right? So if you have breakfast at 8 a.m., have like an early dinner around 4 p.m. The idea is really what's happening in the body. And this is kind of the physiology. It creates something called autophagy in your body. And this is basically the lining of of your gut, the cells in your body repairing themselves when you fast. And there's even a lot of like biblical references and fasting has been around for many, many years. But when we fast, we actually give our bodies an opportunity to heal. And so... And during that healing process, there's a lot of repair happening. And so patients who are fasting for 16 or 18 hours a day are able to tap into that autophagy. And the person who actually invented this was a scientist from Japan who actually won a Nobel Peace Prize, right? This is insane. Like there's an actual Nobel Peace Prize for the guy who discovered 
autophagy and intermittent fasting. So um, it's a great tool. And especially for patients who are looking to lose weight, it's a lifestyle hack that they can easily implement and follow to help them lose weight. Because again, you are obviously you're skipping a meal. So you're reducing your caloric intake at the same time. Uh, you're most likely not eating. Most people who are eating breakfast, what are they eating? They're eating bread, bananas. They're eating uh, high sugar, high carb items like muffins, cakes, breakfast cereals loaded with sugar, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you're also reducing a lot of that extra load on, on your system. So that's kind of where the intermittent fasting be, becomes very beneficial. that I have been actually intermittently fasting without knowing it because <laughs> I, that's I why fast, you look so great <laughs> no I fast a few days a week for religious purposes but what I found is that even on days that I'm not fasting I don't eat breakfast anymore right I'm eating mm. later so and the, the only bad thing I used to do for a while there, because I'm sort of so programmed to eat three meals a day. So when my residents are having lunch, um, having breakfast, when they're having dinner, I'm like, oh, this is lunch. But then I come yeah. home and then I'm eating again later, not even because I'm hungry. But in the last yeah. um, little while, I find that I'm only eating two meals. So yeah. I have my two meals, my breakfast, maybe at 12, <clears throat> one o'clock, two o'clock, and then I eat another meal and that's it. And it's interesting, even throughout the holidays, like this, I do now seven days a week, which is interesting, yeah. but I, I didn't wow. think it was intermittent fasting. So, yeah. hey. And, hey. and Christina, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the first things our patients tell us when they start doing intermittent fasting and start eating low glycemic anti-inflammatory foods is that their hunger goes away, right? So, you know, our body has two fuel sources, right? It has mm -hmm. glucose and it has ketones. Yeah. Well, when you're fasting, your body is going to start using ketones as fuel, right? And so your body goes into what we call ketosis, mm -hmm. and this allows your body to burn its own fat. So this is why it's so effective for weight loss. So this is not a ketogenic diet. That's something different. That's a mm -hmm, high fat mm -hmm. diet. Yeah. This is just the state of your body going into ketosis where you're mm -hmm. burning fat for fuel. Yeah, that is the basis of weight loss usually to try to get your, your body into ketosis. And that is different for everyone. Some people like, you know, especially when you are going from a detox into uh, uh, weight management, for some people, it might take a week or two. Or for some people, like from what has happened with me now, it becomes a habit, right? Where yeah. your body and Sherry, it's not so difficult to do. When you start, <laughs> skipping I feel like not... I eat all the time, so yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. If you yes. if you start eating later and later, you find your body yeah. actually sort of quiet down a little bit. Like I'm somebody yeah. who used to eat bread. I mean, I wake up, I'm eating, but now <laughs> I'm, I don't even know that I haven't eaten. I'm not hungry anymore. So, I used to have to have tea. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I used to have to have tea first thing in the morning okay you want to like, open up my vocal cords but now i do without and i'm fine yeah okay but could i have coffee yeah. yes absolutely so during your fast you could have tea you could drink water you could have coffee yeah absolutely herbal okay. teas you know we mm -hmm. we think herbal teas and 
you know, mm-hmm. broths are fantastic to have during a oh, fast. Oh, broth would be good. Yeah, I could yeah. see me doing broth, but like mm-hmm. I am hungry. Like, you know, yeah. I get up, walk my dog, and by the time we're back and he's having breakfast, I'm having breakfast, right? Yeah. So, and that's uh, what happens every time you're snacking, guys. Every And I tell patients, stop snacking. Number one thing I tell them when they start our weight loss program, the mm-hmm. six meals a day is not good for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, every time you eat, you're spiking insulin, Yes, okay? yes. which is a fat storing mm-hmm. hormone. Exactly. And this is what will lead to pre-diabetes and then diabetes mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate that as part of the diabetic diet, you are told to eat small meals several times a day. But unfortunately, every time you eat, insulin comes. And once insulin is there, you're not going to be able to store, um, actually burn fat because like you said, insulin stores fat. So there are so many schools of thought with food, but I guess, you know, you have to choose which one works best for you. But mm-hmm. personally, I'm not someone that snacks. So it's so easy for me to do, but Sherry snacks. <clears throat> So, but what well, is I, I snack, but I have like lean protein and I have, you know, I have vegetables and, and, and for breakfast I have oatmeal, chia, berries, <laughs> yogurt. So I'm not having bread. I'm, yeah. I've never been really yeah. a bread person anyway. So, and, but great. yeah. And that's, and that's fantastic, Sherry. And if that works for you and you're happy with your weight, fantastic. Normally, Sorry, I should have been a bit more clear when they're really focusing on weight loss, especially as a New Year's resolution. This is just another little biohack that tends to work really well when they reduce one of those meals. Um, There's something else that will come back to me later. But uh, yes, if they're nursing, for example, they should be eating three meals a day. So again, it all is, you know, person, yeah. patient dependent. And some people are just, they're fine. They do great eating three, four meals away a day. They have a good metabolism. But for most patients that I find that are looking to lose weight and keep the weight off, they find intermittent fasting a, a wonderful strategy. Yeah, I like the idea though, too, of giving my body a rest. I really, yeah. I I like that. And it makes sense to me. So just thinking about how maybe I could still get work without it having to be so onerous. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. So when you intermittent fast for about 16 to 18 hours, it increases anti-aging hormones by 1300 to 2000%. Forever young. That is what it's all about. (laughs) All right. You want to look young and sexy. I'm telling you 1300 to 2000% increase, which is way more than exercising and lifting weights. And, 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 you know, you can actually get into this really slowly, like, you know, for a lot of people, just the, the term fast scares people, right? There's been a lot of research, even yes. people that fast for religious basis, that fasting is very healing. And in the past, you know, in the early days, people were treated with fasting to, to mm-hmm. cure diseases and so forth. Yeah. So you don't, it's not something you have to do all at once. It could be just maybe even reducing your breakfast and then, you know, just sort of extending the times between meals until you get used to it. So everyone has their own way of, you know, if this is something you have to do and even maybe instead of, even if you can't completely do it, just using the same way to reduce the caloric intake. I think we'll come mm. to that. So I think this should just take us into the low glycemic um, foods. 
our diet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, type 2 diabetes actually runs in my family. So I know how important it is to pay attention to the types of foods and especially low glycemic foods. So maybe you can start, Dr. Mahan, with telling us what foods are considered low glycemic and why that's important. Sure, sure, Sherry. So with the glycemic index, really you know, every food, and you can just search this on Google, you can find its glycemic index score, which is basically a number that tells you how quickly that food is broken down into sugar. So the more simple sugars, like orange juice would have a very high glycemic load because right away that's converted to sugar, needs to get uptaken into the body. So, you know, white bread, right? So let's just say zero is the lowest, 100 is the highest. You know, white bread scores are on 80 to 90 in terms of the glycemic index. Okay, so you can imagine how quickly that bread, that bagel is going to get converted to sugar, which is why after that big breakfast, two hours later, you're starving again, right? Because there's that whole, you know, glucose insulin interaction that's happening when there's a spike in sugar, then insulin has to come into play here. So when insulin shows up, then the sugar drops and then guess what? You're hungry again, right? The cravings come back. And this is why a lot of people have sugar cravings, right? Where they feel like they need something sweet or salty all the time. So, and this leads to another major problem and we'll definitely come back and talk about insulin resistance. And I'm sure you guys have maybe talked about it on the show, but uh, this is a major problem in society, this insulin resistance. And Everything from cataracts to strokes to heart disease to even cancer is all now being linked back to insulin resistance. So when I do, you know, our diet programs in our clinic, when we put patients on foods that are low glycemic index, right? So for example, vegetables are very low glycemic, right? Proteins are low glycemic, right? So like chicken breast and fish and beef and seafood, that's all allowed on our program. And we tell them exactly how much of that they could eat. Some vegetables are more starchy, right? Like potatoes, right? Peas. So those tend to be off our list because they tend to have a little bit of a higher glycemic load. Fruits, you know, people may not realize fruits, but you know, certain fruits are high in sugar, right? So bananas, I think, Bananas have about 20 grams of carbs, grapes, mangoes, all the fruits that we love to eat. And I'm not telling you not to eat them, definitely enjoy them from time to time. But if you really focus this year on losing weight and getting healthier, we really want to lower the foods. We we really want to focus on foods that are going to be lower on the glycemic index. So this also leads to the diabetes, right? Because when you start eating foods, that are higher on the glycemic index, like the white breads, the white rice, the potatoes, the pastas, the muffins, the cookies, the cakes, the tortillas, the chips, you know, all the things we love and (laughs) are regular part of our diet. And every time that's spiking that sugar and that insulin, this leads to insulin resistance, which then leads to diabetes. And we know this and it's published in the Lancet and in major research papers, just by losing weight, just by losing the abdominal weight that you have that belly fat, you could reverse type two diabetes. Yeah, that's, and that's, I think, really powerful and that people should understand that just by changing your diet and losing belly fat, 
you can you can get off meds and not have to take anything and, and, and it takes not just the diet it takes exercise it takes sleep it takes a lot of things to to come to that mm-hmm. the other thing too is no one is saying you shouldn't eat rice and you know bread and stuff like yes. that but definitely you can look for more healthy bread you know eat brown rice but quantity also matters a lot like you know mm-hmm. There are measurements for foods, like, you know, ideally you're supposed to eat your palm full of rice. That's the measurement for rice. But most of us, we fill that bowl up, you know, the huge bowl, (laughs) big plate. And also there are ways that you can make your make your high glycemic foods low glycemic there are ways that you can bring down the glycemic load with you know just how you choose your foods so if you were eating vegetables and rice that would definitely not allow your your rice to quickly spike your blood sugar levels (laughs) if you were having a sandwich with cheese and meat you know so there are different ways that you can reduce your glycemic loads and these are Mm -hmm. some of the things you will learn if you go to dr Mahan's clinic And so it's very important, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to learn how to eat more healthy and um, eat low glycemic foods, or maybe even Mm. learn about the intermittent fasting, that would be great to have someone, have a coach, have a wellness um, coach to help you. Again, like he said at the beginning, do consult with your healthcare practitioners. We're not asking you to do anything. And especially if you already have diabetes or if you're on medication, yes, yeah. don't do it by yourself. You know, you have yeah, to yeah. Um, seek support from your health Yeah, Christina, true story. My dad during the pandemic, which honestly, I know a lot of people gained 15, 20 pounds during the pandemic. My dad lost 30 pounds during the pandemic and is off six medications, diabetic medications, right? That's amazing. And it was just honestly so simple. It just had to focus on more lower glycemic foods. And I totally agree with you. You know, we're not telling anybody here not to cut out any particular food groups. I mean, we're human. At the end of the day, we got to have fun and live life and indulge once in a while. But for people who are starting off the year off and they're really looking to to drop that weight and focus on a, on a, on a weight loss program that's effective where they could see, you know, the numbers, the scale changing, then obviously sticking to a low glycemic diet is really good. And then when you do eat rice, like you said, instead of white rice, you could have a whole grain rice, right? I mean, the glycemic loads are still up there, but it's definitely a better option when you're going to, when you're going to indulge. Yeah. And I think too, it's, I mean, if you live in Ontario and you're listening to us, we're in lockdown now. And so I found it so much easier to eat healthier when we were in lockdown last year. And I lost weight too, because I wasn't eating out all the time and not, you know, I mean, our restaurants aren't as bad as the ones in the U.S., but they still give you gigantic <laughs> please, portions. Please explain. Okay. It's about, the, it's about the portion size, okay. right? So, you know, definitely in the U.S., you can say, you know, let me pack up half of this meal just to start. But, you know, when when you eat in a restaurant, you tend to overindulge, right? Yes, like, absolutely. You, mm-hmm. yep. and, and you don't know what you're getting. And you don't have control over how anything is prepared, right? So when you prepare your own meal at home, you know what you're using. You know, you know that you're not using a whole stick of butter, hopefully. So... (laughs) 
The other aspect of this as well is the the anti-inflammatory foods. So like we said, it takes a whole lot of things to help you get to that point of losing weight. So Dr. Mahan, can you please um, talk about anti-inflammatory foods and how they, they impact on our bodies? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Christina. And here's a fun fact for you guys, and I'm sure your viewers will you know, will take note of this, is that when you mix a high-carb, a refined-carb meal with a high-protein meal, so let's just take a burger, a hamburger, for example, right? So you got the bread, which is like the refined carbs, and then you have a big piece of uh, meat, beef, burger, which is the extra protein, it actually increases your insulin by 200%. Okay? So that insulin is really spiking. So keep that in mind. And I'm South Asian, and, you know, there's a lot of diabetes in the South Asian community. And if you look at a lot of our staple diets, there's a lot of rice and there's a lot of protein, right? So like biryani, I'm sure you guys had biryani. Delicious, right? (laughs) Yes. A lot of rice, a lot of meat. And so you really want to think about that because this all comes back to that insulin's role in, you know, weight management. So if you're going to eat the protein, just have the protein, have the protein with the veggies, right? And if you're going to have some carbs, just eat the carbs. Try not to mix the two too much together. Okay. That's going. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Going back to what you were asking, Christina, there definitely, you know, is a correlation between the glycemic load or index and anti-inflammatory foods. You'll find that foods that are generally low in the glycemic index are anti-inflammatory foods, whereas foods that are very high, like fruit juice, sugars, are, are going to be more inflammatory. And we know, and as a chiropractor, I can tell you this, when the diet is very high in inflammatory foods. So this is your processed carbs. You know, we were talking about pizza, cakes, cookies, muffins, all the refined carbs, the excess sugars. This can create a lot of inflammation. And we know that that inflammation can cause inflammation in your gut. It can cause inflammation in your skin, right? So there's definitely a correlation. So when we get patients on an anti-inflammatory diet, all of a sudden, their skin clears up, their joints feel better, right? We use this with all of our patients that have osteoarthritis, with rheumatoid arthritis. They tend to do really well when they're more watchful of, of foods and they focus on more foods that are anti-inflammatory. And there's a lot of great resources online. If you just search you know, anti-inflammatory diet, Dr. Wheel, you'll see some really cool diet pyramids that could help you out. And I I think one of the best ways um, to know if your food is inflammatory or anti-inflammatory is that you should eat foods that are close to what nature intended them to be. So if you are not within the refined food, you know, those are inflammatory. So if you're Mm -hmm. eating a potato and not French fries, (laughs) the potato is anti-inflammatory and the French fries is inflammatory. So Mm -hmm. that is what, you know, so eat natural food. I'm not saying go go to the health food store. I'm just saying eat more naturally than, you know. That was our point with Dr. Odiatu about 
apples and avocado and salad. See? Absolutely. (laughs) It's true. I agree. But all I'm saying is, Sherry, not everyone is going to run out, not even after this podcast. People are not going to run out and buy apples, avocados, and um, well, olive hope, oil and stuff I like that. I hope that they do. I hope no, they that when they go so to the still, grocery store, they're going to remember. Still. No, we still it's have to teach the point. Them. We still have to teach them that. If yeah. you are going to, you know, introduce anti-inflammatory diet, you can go slowly. And again, like, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a whole process. If right. you don't prepare, like preparation is key. So you, mm-hmm. you decide that your new year resolution is to lose weight and eat healthy. But you leave home, you don't have your food. You know, you don't have your salads and stuff packed. You mm-hmm. have to go to a drive through or you, you go to a dispensing mm-hmm. machine or whatever. You're not going mm-hmm. to get salads out of that, right? But you could mm-hmm. get it from a drive through But who drives through a fast food restaurant looking for salad? Most people are looking for hamburger and fries, right? <laughs> yeah, so again, yeah. it's a mindset. It's learning how right. to make it more healthy, Sherry. Okay. We're talking about the general public, yeah. not just the, yeah. the one percent of people that are health conscious. <laughs> no, I think I think that people are far more educated today, and people do realize, of course, you do know what you should be eating. It's just that we're not all strong when we go through the drive-through, and we want a donut and a hamburger yeah. as much as you're learning today that that is like so detrimental to your body. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just want that that bite. Hopefully yeah. it's just a bite. <laughs> common yeah. knowledge is not common practice. So it has nothing to do with education <clears throat> or knowledge. It's just, you know, habits, what you know, you know, mm-hmm. and what's we live in a fast-paced society. I know. Like, you know, if you don't have time to cook. That's why, yeah, that's why meal prep is key, people. It's so key, so key, guys. I mean, look at the marketing, right? Look at the corporations. The food's addictive, guys. Let's be honest. Sugar is addictive. They they got the magic recipes. They know how to make the food. You know, we're seeing childhood obesity through the roof. It's a huge, you know, that's an epidemic in itself. So, you know, we're facing, you know, a time when, uh, you know, this type of conversation is so needed. Simple strategy. I tell my patients and I'll tell you guys, this is what we do on our program. All you need is a digital scale so you can measure your food. We recommend about four to five ounces of protein. Okay. So when you go to the supermarket, I always say, try to stay to the outside aisles of the supermarket. Okay, don't go down the aisles of the supermarket. That's where all the processed stuff is. But usually if you stay to the outside, you know, you're going to get your proteins, your meats, you're going to get your vegetables and you're going to get your fruits. That's that's your shopping list. Right. It's so simple. Like Christina mentioned, just sticking to the whole foods and keeping it as natural as possible. Get a scale at home and all you do is you measure your protein. You want to aim for every meal about five ounces of protein. That could be some chicken breast, some fish, some beef, salmon, seafood, okay? And then you want to do about four ounces of vegetables. So this could be your broccoli, your asparagus, your mushrooms, okay? And then you want to do about four ounces of fruit. And you want to stick to the low glycemic fruits, especially if you're focusing on weight loss, stick to the berries, Mm-hmm. The blueberries, the blackberries, the raspberries, the strawberries. Okay. Definitely have some fruit, like other fruits once in a while. But again, with the weight loss, stick to the low glycemic fruits. 
And then we give them veggies. We tell them, look, then we, the salad stuff is unlimited. So if you're still hungry, reach for a salad, um, a lettuce salad, celery, cucumbers, right? Red, red onions. You could eat unlimited quantities of that stuff with, you know, to fill yourself up. Okay. And it's good for you. So that's kind of the approach we take in terms of like just a healthy eating, keep it really simple. And yeah, don't fall victim to, to the uh, sad reality of, you know, the marketing on all the foods um, that are out there. And also fiber. Fiber is very important because we don't eat a lot of fiber and fiber mm -hmm. actually is satiates, right? Protein fiber. Mm -hmm. That is why if you actually eat a balanced meal, like, you know, you have egg for breakfast. I find whenever I have eggs for breakfast, I don't get hungry for a, yeah. a long time. But if you're mm -hmm. just having the pastries and, you know, stuff like that, you find that you get hungry really quickly again. Mm -hmm. So just how you pay your food and how that's the word I was looking for. Pairing how you pay your food is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing we need to do as well is, you know, like I said, preparation is key. Make sure that you don't have, you know, those processed food, chips and cookies and stuff in your cupboard. But don't say, oh, I have a good, good uh, willpower. You will fail. So just make sure that you don't keep them. You know, <laughs> try to, uh, to replace your snacks with yeah. healthy food. And, you know, that will help you succeed. Yeah, yeah Sherry is laughing. Because, Hard to yeah. say after Christmas, Christiana. Oh, my. Yes, for sure. Is it garbage day yet? Throwing that stuff out. <laughs> Throwing it inside your deep freezer. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you, Dr. Mahan. It was such a pleasure meeting you, and I learned a lot today, for sure. Yes, thank you. it's very, very um, interesting and um, just really enriching to find, you know, that you, your practice was born out of love for your mother, like you started it, but, you know, you took it one step further. So you are a mm -hmm. wellness practitioner. Mm -hmm. And also just knowing that you're out there helping people in different aspects of life. It's really, really refreshing. And we're going to extend another invitation to you to come back mm -hmm. and talk to us again about other maybe chronic diseases or just to keep our, our bodies healthy and young. So we thank you for coming. Uh, just some of our listeners who want to get in touch with you, please let them know how they can find you. Yes, thank you again, Christina, Sherry. Uh, great being here and would absolutely love to be back. If you'd love to connect with me, my clinic is called Durham Spine Care. We're one of the largest facilities in the Ajax area in Ontario. If there's any, I'm sure there's a lot of Ontario listeners. I also have a free Facebook page where I post a lot of my weight loss information. And I run this very um, weight loss challenge two, three times a year. And we're just, we just started one on Monday. So if you'd like to join, it's free. There's no catch, just Facebook, Dr. Mahane, that's M-A-H-E-N. And uh, it is a private group. We'll let you in. And there's a ton of information there as well. And I wish nothing but the best to all of you and your listeners for 2022. You know, awesome. stay disciplined, have fun. Let's get through this pandemic. <laughs> right? Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so Cheers. much again Thank for you. coming. 
So until the next time, I'm Christiana Eggy. And I'm Sherry Marie Chu. See you next time on Forever Young. Until then, keep smiling because you're never too old to become younger. The Forever Young podcast is created and produced by Christiana Eggy and Sherry Marie Chu. And it is produced and engineered by Elise Hill. The podcast represents our opinions and those of our guests. The content should not be taken as medical advice. It is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Special thanks to the Ella Accelerator for bringing Christiana and Sherry together. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. New episodes are available every other Wednesday. Have questions? Email us at ourforeveryoungpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook under Our Forever Young Podcast. Thank you for listening.